everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Vegan Proteins, Muscles by Brussels Radio. My name is Danny. And I'm Giacomo. And this is our 42nd episode. everybody thank you so much for tuning in we just got back from the san jose fit expo and it was a total blast we haven't been out to the west coast as vegan proteins like representing our business ever so this was the first time we'd ever done that although we've been to california before and neither one of us has ever been to san jose before yeah i mean it's crazy right because we lived on the west coast for what three years Right, and we traveled up and down California, even camped out there for a couple days, and yet we have little. We've had little to no like direct connection with the vegan scene out west, like in California specifically. So I w- I've been hyped about getting to this show in this area for a while, and then to do it to you know in the mainstream as well in the fitness arena. It's it was pretty cool. Yeah, and it was a really beautiful city. Uh, you know, it's just so different. It's such a different vibe out west. And, you know, having not lived there for quite some time, it's always a little bit of a uh, an awakening when you go out there and realize just how different the vibe is from east coast to west coast. But it was really beautiful. We enjoyed our time out there quite a bit. And it was one of the most fun and chill fit expos we've done so far. And we actually are going to be in Anaheim in just a couple of weeks, August 25th and 26th. We will be doing a Fit Expo in Anaheim. So if you are in the Southern California area, we are going to leave a link in the show notes for a coupon. You have to print it out and bring it with you to buy your ticket, but it's definitely it's definitely a really good time. And based on what uh, Robert Cheek, who we will be hearing more from in this episode, um, tells us the Southern California Fit Expos have the best like vegan scene turnout out of all of them. And seriously, it's just, first of all, I think it's magical that we even have a vegan presence on this Fit Expo circuit, you know, and we were so fortunate to be, you know, to not only be there, but to literally be invited by the Fit Expo to have a stage and a platform to raise awareness for veganism in, you know, in the mainstream fitness world. And like this year is just such, I, I'm not sure if, if you know, the, the general public like really realizes just what a major opportunity this is for all of us, you know, to really, to really show our presence um, in the fitness, in the you know the the, the fitness community at large, basically. So the more of us that can get there, the more bodies that we can pack into these fit expos, that you know from the vegan community, the more interest we're going to draw from the outside, from the rest of the attendees. And it's like super important that we get out there. I mean, this is like literally reinvigorated my passion for what we do because like we're we're just it's like the evolution basically of the activism that we've been doing. And you know, not only now you know we started growing the vegan fitness community, and now we're expanding our reach. So it's pretty incredible, and we really hope that you come out because it does make a difference. And we'd like to meet some of you. We have met so many of you listeners at these various events so far. And it really means the world to us. Like there's not a lot of opportunities that we get to meet some of you all face to face. So if you're in the area, come out and hang out with us. It's a really good time. Um, How's things been going for you, Giacomo? 
Well, for one, uh, I'm up at random hours of the night and I'm saying to myself, like, why am I working at 2.30 in the morning when usually I turn into a pumpkin at 10 o'clock at night, which Danny can attest to because she's the night owl. And I'm just like, you know, I'm up early in the morning. I'm saying to myself, oh, it's because we travel to the West and then like the whole time zone shifting. So you and I have been all over. Didn't you pull an all-nighter last week? Not quite. I fell asleep at one in the morning and woke up at three in the morning, like woke up, like ready for the day at three in the morning. And anybody that knows me knows that I am not a morning person at all. Like I wake up at nine regularly and to wake up at three and I was lying there in bed for like a half an hour. Like, is this it? Like, am I really awake? But that I don't think has anything to do with jet lag as much as it has to do with prep. Like, just the further you get into prep, the weirder your sleep gets. And, you know, I feel like my prep were definitely over some kind of a hump that happened this last week where uh, we're definitely in the home stretch. There's no question anymore. Like, we're in the final legs. So, you know, some of the uncomfortable side effects are kicking in, but we are looking, we are starting to look right. And I'm very, very excited about that. You're at that phase where literally every one to two weeks, it's a new look. And it's pretty exciting for me on the outside to, to watch it, especially because generally speaking, the competitor, it's, it's hard for them to really see the changes themselves because they're already hyper-focused on, on wanting to look the absolute best by the end of their prep, right? And then, of course, there's prep brain. So I get to basically observe and, and be like, hey, you know, like the changes that you can't see because you're just trying to be like this, like extremely best version of yourself. I see me like, really? I'm like, yeah, really? So it's been as a spectator and you're, you know, arguably biggest fan. I like to see someone else uh, beat me on that one. But no, as, as, your, as your biggest fan, uh, it's very rewarding to me on a personal level to be able to see these, these changes happen so rapidly. Yeah, it is. It is very hard to see the changes in yourself, but I know that they're happening because, well, one, the scale is dropping, but also like I'm starting to get the funny looks from people when I'm in public. Like, is she she okay? (laughs) And (laughs) it's actually when, when people start like worrying about you a little bit, that's when you know, like, yeah, we're getting there. It's it's happening, and it makes me feel a little bit like a transformer. Um, but this prep is just like I mentioned, like the last month or two, they've been rougher than the first six months were for sure. But still, we were talking about this earlier. I feel like it's still my most successful prep to date in terms of I haven't really cut back on my work at all. I haven't taken on any new clients, but I haven't cut anything back at all. We've been churning out content more in the last few months than we have in the last couple of years. We're traveling every single month. I've been as social, well, as social as I get, really. I just took the Shredded by Science Module 1 course, so I'm still like studying, continuing education, and got a 97 with distinction on that test. So yeah, overall, I'm just really, really pleased with the way this prep is going. And I don't think we mentioned it on the last podcast, but I have nailed down my first show is going to be on September 8th. So I'm just under six weeks out. It's going to be in Lexington, Mass, and it is the OCB Battle of the Naturals. So it's, it's real. It's happening. Today's 
episode is one that I have been wanting to do for a very long time. We actually had the pleasure of interviewing not just a colleague of ours, but a dear friend of ours. The reason why you and I are a thing, the reason why we started everything that we do with our vegan activism efforts. It has everything to do with the fact that you and I both happened to make a connection with Robert Cheek about 10 plus years ago. You met him at the Boston Veg Fest, I believe, for the first time. And I met him on MySpace. (laughs) He had me in his top eight, and I'll never let him live it down for as long as we live. (laughs) He had me in his top eight, and then he axed me. does that <laughs> anyway uh, I don't know that we talked too much about that in the interview long story short we wound up becoming real real close friends and buddies through his online public forum veganbodybuilding.com before the social media era before any of that stuff went down it was just messaging boards and we happened to have a meetup and a vegan vacation where four members got together and just vacation and hung out together and that's how we all met and that's how Giacomo and I met Yeah, and the rest is history. It's with my great pleasure that we introduce our longtime pal and who aptly is named the vegan bodybuilding godfather, Robert Cheek. All right, so this is actually like a for me on a personal level, this is a really exciting podcast. So this this particular week represents ten years. It's to me, it's like I, I look back and it's been literally. 10 years since we met and we started doing all this together and now we're coming around full circle and we're out there promoting veganism not just to the to the vegan community and building vegan community but now we're out into the mainstream and uh, we have our uh, who I consider my best friend over here Robert Cheek with us uh, and I, I honestly don't know how you made all this happen <laughs> yeah, I guess it's appropriate that it's not just mine and Giacomo's 10 year anniversary but it's actually the 10 year anniversary of all of us becoming friends and it's just kind of we didn't do it on purpose but it just kind of lined up that way that uh you're on the podcast now for the first time ever on the 10 year anniversary so that's pretty cool yeah and it's well I mean it's great to be here and it's great to be on the podcast and it is kind of a special weekend that I mean it is this very week 10 years ago that we met and obviously you became uh, married. <laughs> you got married as a re- you know as a result. You got coupled. <laughs> so yeah, you grew together, and we did a lot of stuff together over the years. We collaborated on businesses, on projects, on tours. This year has been kind of a uh, a breakout year for us to bring things back, as you said, full circle with doing things like the vegan cruise together for ten days in the Caribbean together again out here on this nationwide Fit Expo tour that we're doing. And have you here out in California, uh, 10 years to the day or to the week that we met. And it is pretty cool because not a lot of people can say that in friendships, in business, in professional endeavors. And, uh, and I'm honored to be able to share this time with both of you. Yeah, when you think about it, like our, our first expo together ever, I believe, was the Animal Rights Conference in mm-hmm. 2008 in D.C. And even in the animal rights scene, it was a little bit like... Uh, a novel idea that there were bodybuilders who were vegan or even like strength fitness enthusiasts within the animal rights community and now it's like we're at a mainstream fitness expo with you know winners of multiple olympia titles and 
veganism and you know people are curious but it's not like it's not even that wild of an idea for so many people people come up to the table and they're like oh yeah i should probably be more plant-based but whereas 10 years ago they'd be like get out of here we don't we don't want vegans here and they'd laugh us out the door so it's pretty wild when well, you think about it and that that event that animal rights conference I used to do the fitness classes there. Mm-hmm. There were about a thousand people at the animal rights conference, and about six would show up for a workout. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even in the vegan community, people weren't fond of exercise, um, it, you know, collectively, or perhaps they're there for other reasons. And there's a lot of late night parties and get-togethers, and working out isn't a high priority. But uh, but now, vegan and fitness seems to be coming together and perceived as such that. Uh, as we were saying today in our lectures, that 20 years ago, people associated veganism with poor health. Like, oh, that's great, you're vegan, is, you're vegan for the animals, or you're, I understand why you're vegan, but they would worry about your health, your well-being, whether you get enough protein, enough adequate nutrition. You know, my parents included, when I became vegan at age 15 in 1995, people were concerned. And like you just said, now, 2018... The response is, the reaction is, I know I should probably be vegan for my health so I could do this. Drop cholesterol, drop, drop weight perhaps, have more energy, better recovery, maybe improved athletic performance, more diversity in my diet. And so I, I think we are seeing a shift in not only people who are vegan uh, getting more interested in fitness and living that lifestyle and showcasing that on social media and in real in the real world in their lives, but people in the mainstream uh, fitness culture and just mainstream world jumping on the plant-based and vegan bandwagon in, in, in enthusiastic ways, and that's good for everybody. Okay, so my question is, you know, Danny and I have been doing this basically since we met you, and you were doing this for how many years before you met us? Uh, let's see. We met, um, 2008. I first, well, I first started touring in 2005, uh-huh. uh, when I released the DVD, the vegan fitness built naturally. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I gave my first talk. Dr. Campbell was in the audience. The China study was just released that year. I believe we were on tour in Vancouver, BC, Canada. Of course, vegan since 95. And I was doing my own activism in school, sure. in high school. And I did a lot of cool things actually back then and was involved in, uh, protests and presentations and getting our school to have non-leather equipment for things like footballs and basketballs and use synthetic products and not use a- animal materials. And so I was already active. But as far as this whole touring thing, uh, traveling around the country and talking about this movement, that started in 2005. So just um, just a few years before I met you and I started those vegan vacations where we all met. Right. And I remember, you know, we, we got to a point where you, we were all tar- touring for ten, seven years consecutively and you were like, you know, this touring stuff gets kind of tiring after a while. It's draining and we're on the, the VegFest circuit. Then we kind of took a backseat and, you know, we each went touring again for a couple years here and there. But what I'm curious to know about is after all of these years and all of this community building where the vegan community itself has become its own beast, right? How do you take that and how do you not grow complacent and all of a sudden say to yourself, well, okay, now it's its own thing and its own beast and it's just taking off with or without me, but I'm going to go ahead and try to do this up even bigger and, 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 now, and somehow you succeed at it and now we're doing it 
and, and promoting veganism to the mainstream. And it's like, it's like the evolution of the vegan community um, interdispersed into the mainstream fitness community. And my mind is blown. Like, I just don't know. Like me, I lost inspiration for a little bit for building community. I kind of said to myself, well, this thing doesn't need me as much anymore. Why, you know, how, how am I going to keep driving at it? And you just haven't stopped. Like, what, how? how? How are you so relentless with it? I think it's two things. I think I always remember and never forget why I became vegan in the first place. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to save animal lives. I grew up on a farm. I had farm animals as pets, you know, friends of mine, you know, cows, chickens, rabbits, guinea pigs, uh, you know, all kinds of different animals, uh, horses, ponies, whatever, you know, grew up on a family. (laughs) Walnuts are not, not, yeah, don't fit into the same category. Um, uh, delicious nonetheless. Um, uh, and so, so I, I never forgot why I did this. And so I always wanted to make a difference. But, and, and then the second part is I always look for solutions. Mm-hmm. So back when there weren't other vegan bodybuilders, I saw an opportunity. It was something that I was interested in, building muscle. And again, you have to remember where I started. 120 pounds when I became vegan. I had no business in bodybuilding. It was the furthest thing from me. I was actually a fairly successful endurance runner. I even ran in college. I ran cross country. That's what I was good at. But where, where my passion was found was challenging myself to do something that, I, that, that really tugged at my heart that I really wanted to do. I mean, I grew up watching He-Man and Thundercats and Captain Planet. And this may sound silly. Uh, these, these fictional characters who were out there trying to make a difference in the world. But it resonated with me. And I, I just wanted to get bigger and stronger. And so when there was an opportunity to be a passionate vegan activists and combine that with athletics and building muscle, I saw an opportunity or, as I just said, a solution where I could show people that you could build muscle on a plant-based diet. You could build muscle as a vegan, as a compassionate vegan who's doing it for animal rights, not just for health and not just for athletic performance. In fact, I was interviewed uh, by, I don't know, Wall Street Journal or, or um, New York Times or one of these major newspapers uh, in the early days. And they wanted to talk about athletic performance. And, but I was talking about animal rights stuff. And I got completely left out of the article. Huh. Um, it was um, – the actually title was the 247-pound vegan with the tight end in the NFL, Tony Gonzalez. And, uh, and, and it referenced a few other people, Mac Danzig, Brendan Brazier. Um, it left me out because that wasn't even my focus mm. back then. But um, Tony Gonzalez had this giant full-page feature in a major newspaper back in the early days, like early 2000-something, 2006, I think it was. But – what I wanted to do was to show that you could build muscle on a plant-based diet and do it in a compassionate way. That's why I was doing it. As it turns out, there's, as we all know now, there are athletic performance benefits. Mm-hmm. There are recovery benefits. There are increased energy benefits. There are uh, maybe perhaps better uh, assimilation and digestion of, of certain nutrients and, and foods and, um, and overall better nutrient intake and on all these different things. Um, typically, uh, greater hydration from eating a, a, a heavy water content uh, based diet and a high vitamin, mineral, antioxidant, nutrient dense diet. But I just was looking for a solution to show that if I could lead by example, I could probably save some lives that way. Mm-hmm. I could show that if you wanted to get into bodybuilding, you could without eating chicken breasts and whey protein and casein protein and animals of any type. And so that's why I did it. And so I w- and then I went out on the VegFest tour. And recently, the reason why we're here today, sitting in this hotel room in California, 
is because I, I realized that we needed another solution. That I, I had been on the VegFest circuit for 13 years, and I was speaking primarily to vegans and vegetarians. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even... Not that maybe I was ever the best, but I'm not even close to one of the best vegan bodybuilders anymore. I didn't need to go out there and talk to vegans about building muscle, especially now that I'm retired. What I wanted to do was to assemble a team of great vegan athletes, elite vegan strength athletes. And this is actually a vision for years. I just didn't have the budget. I didn't have the ability. I I didn't have the contacts. I I couldn't do it. I couldn't deliver it years ago, though I wanted to. And as soon as everything came into place, I released a new book. I met the executive vice president of the event. I, uh, I was given an opportunity. I was given a shot. I got sponsors. I got some additional funding. I put together a great team. And the solution I wanted to provide this time was to take a group of vegan athletes out into mainstream events that get tens of thousands of people to attend you everyday fitness enthusiasts and come and see fit and talented and intelligent and compassionate vegan athletes standing right next to the beef jerky booths, the whey protein booths, and go head to head using our compassion and our knowledge and our enthusiasm and our physiques to present compassion on this level. The VegFest circuit had simply run its course for me. I, there, there are uh, far better people to do that now. Uh, other educators, authors, speakers, enthusiasts, f- brand new faces, rising stars, Instagram, YouTube sensations. They can do that. And I'm wearing the colored shirt. I'm behind the scenes. <laughs> and I've got star athletes like yourselves and many others who are out there on the front lines promoting this uh, lifestyle. And, and, and that's what keeps me going is that I look back 23 years ago and when my decision to become vegan was for compassion and that fuels me today. And as long as that candle keeps burning, you know, as long as that, that, that fire keeps burning, I'll keep doing it. And if I'm not the best to do it, I'll find someone else to do it. And that's what I do with this team. I'm not the best to go around flexing anymore. And, uh, but I've got a great team who does. What I admire more than anything is just the fact that you're willing to go for broke. Basically, like you'll you'll take these visions that you have, right? And you don't care what the challenge is. You don't care what the hurdles are. You just keep pursuing them until you're able to deliver, until you're able to find the solution. And that, to me, is what I admire about you the most. And up until recently, you know, like like myself, like I like to talk about my successes. I mean, it makes me feel good. It gives me a re- reward for achieving them. And, uh, and I enjoy the process of fulfilling these dreams. But just recently, you know, you shared with me a lot of the challenges and just how much you were willing to challenge yourself and, and let these, these things sort of consume your life just to be able to deliver on something that you wanted to. So to me, like, I don't know how you execute these things and I don't know how you're willing to, to gamble away so much of, of the possibility of not succeeding just to be able to to succeed and somehow you managed to do it and this right here was like you know a incredibly inspiring uh story to me you know yeah so this was this was pretty ri- like the whole idea of this was pretty risky i mean there was a chance that we could have gotten like laughed out at yeah. the very first expo but you were like what how did you come to the conclusion that the risks both you know, public risks and then personal and or like financial risks. How did you decide that this was all worth, um, worth a, a risk worth taking for you? 
I've wanted to do this for about five years. I've had this vision, actually. I could see it. I mean, I wanted to have a vegan bodybuilding presence at these events. And part of that was, back then, part of that was ego, too. I wanted to be a star athlete. I wanted to be... I worked at these booths. Mm-hmm. I worked for Vega. I worked for Bodybuilding.com. I worked at the booths and got to stand next to celebrities, Jamie Eason and Dorian Yates and all these famous... Mike O'Hearn, these famous bodybuilders. And I wanted to have my own booth. I wanted to have my own brand. I wanted to have... I wanted to be out there posing in photos with people and all that kind of stuff. But I also wanted to do it for the message, for the mission. That, that's always an underlying driving force. And I just – a lot of things just worked out. I happened to be in the right place at the right time with the right opportunities and met the right people. And some people don't know like how these things come about and how many nights I shared with Giacomo. Um, you know, I slept in my car to try to, you know, to, try to pull this off. That that dream was always there, and the risk is there that that this may not work. And they gave us a shot. You know, I, I met the executive vice president. I was like, you know, I dressed nicely and all that, but for four straight nights, I slept in my car in a parking garage. You know, um, to, to to get these business meetings where I drove out, you know, six hours each way to make it happen. And and he said, we got one shot. You have one speaking spot in Los Angeles, and if you <laughs> and he said, if you can do this. Um, you can bring people, put them in the seats. This may be the last time you have to pay for a booth. Um, and, and if you can do what you say you can do, cause I sat him down at lunch and I talked to him for an hour and I talked about all the things that I wanted to do and the vision that I had for years. And I'd been at his show for so many years in LA and I'm friends with all these people, Jay Cutler and I name dropped, I did whatever I could. <laughs> he said, we got one shot. And so, um, I put together a team. We did our talk in LA and afterwards I felt pretty good. I walked back to the booth and one of the organizers walked like slithering through the aisles you know had to come find me um you know 15 20 booths away and said hey robert um i want to tell you that was the best presentation we've seen in 15 years we'd love to have you back and i i got goosebumps i was i was there with uh um, natalie matthews was there she wasn't even on our team at the time will tucker was there he wasn't on our team um at the time uh a, a few other people may have been present during that time they said that was the best presentation we've seen since we've been doing this um biggest crowd um we we crushed it in la and um and then i got a call a a little bit later and again all of this was a gamble all this was a risk um we did have to pay and it's expensive that first booth and it's expensive to pull the whole thing off and i got sponsors like crazy and i hyped it up and we had to deliver and i was actually on stage when the executive vice president walked up to me uh, because i was the mc but somebody else was speaking could have been Nima, it could have been Ryan, Vanessa, who knows. And he pulled me aside as I was still on stage with maybe 200 people in the audience or something. And lots of other people around listening. And he said, we want to do this in the other cities. I said, okay, let's do it. So I got a call uh, just a little bit later. I don't know, days later, a week later. And um, they said, how would you like to have an entire vegan stage? They said it was like, you guys did such a good job. Because you... Uh, you guys weren't there for that one, but we actually filled in. We, were on, we had one presentation. But two people, this was January in L.A., two speakers got snowed in in New York. And because we said such a good job, they said, Robert, can you guys fill in? So we actually ended up doing two or three presentations in L.A. And so when they saw that and saw that we could cover different topics and that we had a, a whole team and could cover different themes and different specialties and elite athletes, they said, "How can you put together uh, an entire weekend worth of presentations and i said absolutely he said do you have people who can cook you know chefs and i said uh 
no, but I can find someone. And that's where I got Natalie Matthews. Because she had flown all the way from Texas to be at that event. She knew we had a team. We were full. We weren't taking anybody else. She flew, and her husband, flew from Houston to L.A. and, and helped volunteer at our booth and took pictures and answered questions. And that meant a lot to me. And so uh, when I needed a chef, uh, per the request of the Fit Expo, uh, I gave her a call or email or text or whatever it was. And um, sure enough, she's been a star member of our team ever since. And now IFBB Pro. And, um, and they liked her so much that when they asked it, her if she was coming back and they said, well, it's up to Robert. And they said, well, regardless, we're going to bring you back, <laughs> even if Robert doesn't. And so she has an open invitation anytime. And that's, and that's how this is powerful. And that's why we're doing this. That we were able to have such a strong presence when we just had we just had an opportunity. You know, they said, okay. You know, we deal with big time athletes here. This is your shot. You know, you have, you have one shot to do this. Do a good job, and you'll be back. And we've been back, and we've been back. And we've been back, and our team continues to grow. And people come out of the woodwork like this weekend. Half our team was volunteers of people in our community who just wanted to show up and be part of it. Um, you know, you know, Christian Garcia, and and um, and we saw other athletes in town um, who dropped in and hung out. Ed and Holly from New Ethic Strength, and you know, it's just been um, a great ride. And we're just getting started. That's the exciting thing. So, if this thing works, we're here to make a difference. I mean, that's what we said in all our presentations. That's why we're here. We're here to show you what you can do on a plant-based diet and tell our stories and answer your questions and leave you with some things to take home with you, some information, some free products, some literature, some coupons for vegan products to go support, uh, booklets, books, free full-size products. Like That's what we do. We want veganism to be... It, we're approachable, we're accessible, we are friendly, we are compassionate, we are outgoing, and you can't say that about every exhibitor. You can't say that about every company. You can't say that about every brand. I think we might be like the only booth in the whole place that's not selling something. Like we're not selling any products. That's the thing that I honestly love the most about this. And I said it from the very get-go. And, and that's a huge risk. Financially uh, and, and lots, in lots of other ways that I said, I can't tell you. I was telling the team when we first got started, I can't tell you how good it feels. I spent 12, 13 years on the road selling something. And I liked a lot of the things that I sold. I worked for Vega for a decade. I sold a lot of Vega. I've written three books. They've all become bestsellers. I've sold a lot of books. I've sold a lot of other products. Some I've really believed in, other ones, you know, I wanted to help the companies get going and I, you know, believed less in them, but they were vegan, plant-based, and I was happy to support them. Other ones I was absolutely passionate about, including my own projects, of course. Writing a book is still the, probably the greatest thing I've ever done for me personally to mm -hmm. achieve. But that's, that's, that's what I said. It feels so good to only be selling the idea of compassion. You know, we're not selling we We're totally approachable. In fact, we're just giving stuff away of high value. Yeah. Like, here, please, please take these free products. Please take these, um, sometimes full-size products. Take these books. Uh, take these resources because we want these to make a difference in your life. And that's why we're here. I think one of my, another one of my favorite things in line with that is that, you know, a lot of these people that are coming up to the table, they're not vegan. And they're not only are they not vegan, they like border on straight carnivorous. Like these are people that eat chicken and egg whites and tilapia three, four, five, six times a day. 
Um, and there's a certain approach that you have to have to speak to these people um, so that it feels so that veganism and, and moving more towards a plant-based lifestyle feels inviting and feels welcoming and doesn't feel like we're judging them because they're not vegan or like um, like we're thinking badly of them or anything like that. And I think that um, I think we do a pretty good job of it, but I think that every time we do this, we get better and better at answering hard and sometimes like borderline trolling questions but answering them like honestly and authentically and do you have any advice or like words of wisdom of how you speak to people like so far on the opposite end of the plant-based spectrum like to kind of draw them in rather than just completely shut them out you know it's it's cliche to say uh leading by example you know is is always gold it's just the thing that i believe in and the philosophy that i follow but it's maybe less common, the, the slogan that, I don't know where I got it or if I came up with it, I don't know, I've been using it for like 10 years, is for me to be healthy, happy, and fit. If I can be healthy, happy, and fit, I'm not always all three at the same time, but I certainly try to be. And if I can do that, and, and, and that is something that I think brings people to me and makes me approachable. And if I'm smiley and I'm, and I'm happy and I'm inviting at the booth, and people who are ready to even poke fun or make fun, they see, oh, vegan bodybuilding, giant letters on this mm-hmm. big banner. It's an oxymoron. The haha, look at those guys. It's like an invitation to make fun of us. If they yeah, want in, in a way, in a way, in a way. <laughs> yeah, in a way. But, 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 you know, but I'm not saying they're like, oh, you know, you guys aren't vegan, you know, how come? Or, you know, why aren't you guys vegan or whatever? But I'm just like, much more welcoming and inviting and hey come on over um can we give you some uh some free product samples and try some plant-based sports nutrition um or please take this uh plant-based athlete guidebook that will just show you some recipes and things that you know it's vibrant and colorful foods and and recipes and great vegan athlete bios and profiles in there of athletes and resources and and just being inviting and some of the personalities i mean this is like you can imagine I know you can because I know you, what you guys do with Plant Built. You can imagine how challenging it has been for me to assemble a team like this. And uh, where you, there, there's only a limited number of people that can fit under uh, basically an allocated budget. I mean, it's just – and the amount of vegan athletes uh, and, and influencers and ambassadors and, and social media stars on YouTube and – Instagram and all of that, uh, and champion and IFBB pro and top NPC and world class and elite athletes. It, the the challenge to assemble the team is difficult uh, because you're always going to hurt feelings. You're always going to leave people out. But because of the nature of what we're doing, speaking to people at a booth and speaking on stage, I I really wanted to pick or select or invite the people that I thought could really shine. A, a, a couple perfect examples I'm going to use are, uh, quite frankly, two of the first uh, people I thought of, and, and that's Vanessa Espinosa and Ryan Nelson. There, there's something special about both of them, not just their physiques. Now, they happen to have some of the best physiques, uh, but this, let's talk about Ryan for a second. Just 
He's got what he calls this Wyoming sweet talk. Yeah. There's nobody that Ryan can't talk to. Mm-hmm. He can talk to anyone, He and he knows how to talk to people in such a friendly and inviting way. And yes, he's this big six foot four, 240-pound uh, champion vegan bodybuilder, but he doesn't talk down to people. He He's a former hunter, fisherman, cattle rancher. Uh, you, you know, he... He knows how to talk to people on so many different levels. I know because I've toured with him at NASCAR events, at fitness expos, at universities. We've toured a lot together. And he just has this this really inviting approach. And then – and and Vanessa, uh, her physique, she doesn't have to say anything. And she often is very brief. She's Mm -hmm. very – she doesn't do a lot of talking on stage. But but she has this physique that – you don't have to say anything else. You just plant her there at a booth. It says vegan bodybuilding and have her stand in front of it with plant-based muscle. And it, and it already tells you what you need to know. And honest to God, I think she's the most decorated athlete out of every one of us. Oh, I, Combined, I mean, maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's, I mean, let's just talk about it for a second. I mean, Vanessa Espinosa, all-American basketball player, uh, still a record holder at Colorado State University, drafted into the WNBA. And then went on to pursue boxing, three-time Colorado State Golden Gloves champion. And then, you know, when she decided to to move on to that and and become a personal trainer and she did all these, you know, great things with clients and and, uh, her personal training business, she just Just randomly discovered the sport of powerlifting. Being an elite powerlifter. (laughs) And basically almost set world records in her very first meet ever. And at a body weight of 132 pounds, can deadlift 424 pounds, more than three times her body weight. Uh, she is an incredible physical specimen. She's been vegan for 18 years and uh, leads by example. She's also one of the sweetest, nicest, most compassionate people I know. And uh, so she was just such an easy choice to take on the road because she was able to represent that. And then I wanted some people that I knew uh, could really handle themselves on stage as public speakers because we were given that opportunity uh, to do that and and, and to Mm -hmm. shine. And so even though there are some people with massive social media followings and, and you might think they'd be the top of the list for an event like this as vegan athletes to tour around on a national level with lots of celebrities and other people. I mean, we saw Jay Cutler and mm-hmm. Sean Ray and, and Sean Roden and uh, all these famous bodybuilders and fitness people at these events. Uh, I also knew we had to communicate well on stage. If we weren't going to communicate well on stage, we were going to struggle. And so we have people... Um, like yourselves who've been on tour for a long time. You also are uh, used to uh, hosting your own events uh, with large crowds and having to be in charge of those groups of 50, 75 athletes. And, 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 and then you did your own plant belt tour all over, um, especially on the East Coast and down South, uh, speaking about that. And I know I have a background in public speaking, and I, I wanted to, um, to assemble that kind of talent as well. And also very much in line, and I have to give you guys credit because I, I think about this a lot, uh, I really wanted people who were team players. And I know you guys have – you guys set the standard, quite frankly, with Plant Belt. Uh, this is greater than ourselves. This is mm-hmm. bigger than us as individuals. And I, I, I couldn't be uh, happier with the way that our team has come together and stepped up and always put – the the mission first. We're always there to promote 
the compassionate vegan fitness lifestyle more than we are the brands we represent. Mm-hmm. The, the our we own all careers. represent separate brands. Yeah, all of us have our own companies. All of us coach our own clients yeah. in our own ways, but we all come together to just be like, this is about veganism. Like yeah. we all do these things, but this is about veganism and compassion and moving towards a plant-based lifestyle. Well, even on stage <laughs> today, or yesterday, I don't know which one. We were speaking all day, both days. Lillian was up on stage recommending you and Giacomo as coaches. She's a coach herself, but she was, she thought you were a better fit for that particular client. I mean, how many people do that? How many people just defer business, you know, money, income, clients to other people who are basically, you know, let's face it, competitors? We're all competitors in this space if we're running our own business but the thing that we see each other as 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 friends and colleagues Mm -hmm. and so even when i've when i've struggled and this there's there's no secret there have been some struggles with trying to pull this off uh you guys stepped up and all of a sudden at the event in chicago we had a whole bunch of extra products you guys arranged that i didn't have to buy or beg someone to send us or 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 recruit sponsors Mm -hmm. or do a sales pitch or you know get any um, additional overhead um, sponsorship, you guys just showed up with some products. And, I mean, that team player aspect. Uh, Friday, I was at a wedding. I I had a hard time deciding. Do I go to a childhood friend I've known since middle school's wedding? Or do I go here, come here to San Jose and set up like I always do as um, the person who put this thing together and make sure everything gets set up and taken care of and, and try to, you know, just do the stuff that I do, coordinate and do all the paperwork and get all the, um, the permits and get our passes to get in. But I realized that, you know, we're all, we've all toured, we're all talented, we're all uh, capable and that I was able to leave the team in good hands and go attend my friend's wedding and on two and a half hours sleep, hop on a plane at 5.50 in the morning and fly in and still get here two hours before the event started and everything was great. And I think that, that that trust and having that team where no one, at least that I know of, no one told me, <laughs> no one rolled their eyes at me, oh, where's Robert? How come he's not helping this and that? Everyone just stepped up, <laughs> right? Yeah. No, that, that is how it happened. There was no eye rolling. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Robert, people are talking trash. You don't even know. I'm like, where's Robert? <laughs> Vanessa might have been because they wouldn't give her the boxes because they were under my name right. at the hotel. So she was she was texting me, giving me a hard time. But other than that, I think uh, things are going really smoothly. I think we're successful and we're invited back and, you know, back and back and back again to these events because we do make a difference. And that's why we're here. And I think if we have that enthusiasm, that passion for it, we'll continue to make a difference. And so I'd like to keep this, this train rolling um, as long as we can. And there may be a time that uh, you know, I won't need to be here for these events because uh, I, I have my talent set and skill set and uh, other people have theirs. And I actually don't spend a lot of time in the booth. I'm mm-hmm. oftentimes on the microphone doing my thing, but you've taken over on the microphone a lot and other people can do that. And sometimes my greatest gift is um, the keyboard and pen and paper. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a writer at heart and that's what I really want to do. And so I think very much like vegan vacation and vegan bodybuilding and veg fest tour and vegan cruises and a lot of the things that I've been part of, been a part of, it may be time for me to pass that along to some other people. And um, and I don't mean that in any kind of negative way, like, like oh, like I'm too good to do this. It, actually, quite the opposite. 
I get to a point where I, I, I absolutely understand that there are people that are better than this, better at this than I am. And I want, and I want to make sure we put our best foot forward for the movement. And sometimes, you know, I need to change roles. And so, um, we'll see what next year brings, but we might still be doing some sort of vegan athlete tour, you know, with me at home. And I'd be just as happy because that's not, it's not about me and it's about the mission. Right. And, you know, that's the thing. It's like you built this brand and you were in large part a face, like the face for the vegan bodybuilding and fitness brand, right? And now you've sort of, I mean, you've kept true to the community aspect of vegan bodybuilding and fitness. And I wouldn't sell yourself short as far as your value as being a public figure and spokesperson. Moreover, I, I think it's like you're you're almost sort of becoming like reaching your true calling as a you know a vegan activist and someone who is incredibly incredibly inspiring like relentlessly so to be the voice basically the the heart and soul of why veganism needs to continue continue to be uh pursued like in in the public eye you know why we need to keep putting ourselves out there and make it not about ourselves i mean there's there's a you know you said that we set the standard with with the team element and plant built and all that but you know these ideas these seeds were planted well before we had that and i think there is that commonality between all of us where we realize yes you know we have to be able to sustain what we're doing and we need to be able to survive and continue to to be able to promote the cause by having our brands and having our business and this and that, but it's still, it's still not the the true purpose of what we do and how we function. And to me, I see I see vegan bodybuilding and fitness as continuing to to fulfill its mission and cause, which at, at the core of it is community. And uh, and as far as you're concerned, like I, I, I see you now more than ever as someone who I am, you know, I admire and I am completely inspired by more than more than I ever realized that I was on a personal level because of just how much of yourself that you're willing to give. I mean, you know, I'm not like finances this that whatever. No, you're giving up you're giving up yourself, like your sanity arguably. You know, you're, you're driving yourself, you're spinning your wheels just to be able to f- to have these dreams become a reality and it has nothing to do with you it's because you believe in it that much you believe in promoting a message of compassion and you don't care how it happens as long as it happens and that's what i mean by going for broke and that's and that's what i admire and you know and that's that's the the public figure that i see in you now you know, more than ever so and and i just love seeing it out there all while still being able to continue to fulfill your you know your dream of of growing of growing the community through the vegan bodybuilding fitness brand. So kudos, man. Well, I appreciate that. And you and I obviously have a long history. We, we battled together on stage. We helped, we helped each other. We lifted each other up. We brought out the best in each other as athletes and in business that we, we just, we worked together. We pushed each other hard. Well, I do want to add that we were briefly roommates and we got along better than I ever imagined. Like that was like, I, I actually didn't even imagine getting along with a roommate as well as I did with you in Portland. We had like our routine of like, you know, cooking, cooking food and, um, hanging out. And, uh, I know you did all the bacon and the tofu and tempeh. I did, yeah. I did the dishes cause you hated doing that. Or and he's like, why am I even here? <laughs> I literally don't even know what they're talking about anymore and haven't for like five minutes, but I'm just letting them go with it. I'm happy we're here. I'm happy we are, uh, we are able to go to these major cities yeah. and, uh, and have an impact. I mean, 
The impact is absolutely measurable. I mean, if I can tell one of my favorite stories, uh, I told it today. You heard me talking to people at the booth about this. At, at the first expo we had in Los Angeles, there was this really big ripped guy uh, came by the booth. He, you know, he tried, dabbled in veganism, vegetarianism in the past. Actually kind of aspired to do it, but couldn't do it. Just wasn't able to do it. He's a champion bodybuilder out in Southern California. You know, your typical kind of big jacked up guy in Southern California. And he came by the booth. came by the vegan bodybuilding booth. Talked to Fraser Bailey and Ryan Nelson in particular. Probably Vanessa too. But, you know, really went for the big muscle and talked to uh, Ryan who towered over him and Fraser who was thicker than him. And talked to them for a while. And then he went and listened to our hour and a half, I think it was, hour and a half long lecturing Q&A. It was our big talk in L.A. And then afterwards, he sent us all an email. And he said, he, he said you know, after listening to you guys and talking to you, I'm now 110% on board with this vegan bodybuilding thing. I wanted to do it before. I couldn't do it. You guys now showed me the way. Now, the reason that's significant is because this individual manages 15 GNC stores. So imagine the impact we had on one person. Now he was already kind of on the fence. He's already interested in the lifestyle and now says, I'm going for it 110%. What does that mean? So now that he oversees all these stores, he can now uh, encourage his staff to promote the plant-based products because that's kind of where his heart was. He just didn't think he could do it and still be a champion bodybuilder and have the ego and, and be the, the macho kind of guy. Mm. But he learned from Ryan that you could. He learned from Fraser and Vanessa that you could. And so to be able to manage over a dozen GNC stores that are notorious for selling whey and casein protein and, and, and all kinds of products that, uh, that have animal products in them. And now to be able to promote the plant-based products all throughout Southern California in a very popular nutrition store from having an impact on one person uh, is incredible. And he was one of thousands who came by the booth. And, and we have these stories in almost every city we go to. Uh, maybe not quite as dramatic as someone owning like franchises all over the place um, and, and who's now like really selling plant-based products and really pushing them. But we have these success stories everywhere we go in these major cities. Uh, you may know uh, one of the staples of these events is Roland Kickinger. He, had, he was the son of the beach. He was the star of the TV show yep. Son of the Beach. He's an actor. He's in Hollywood. Amazing physique. Uh, he hosts all the competitions on stage, every Fit Expo all over the country. He has now watched Vanessa win competitions, city after city after city. And I watch him. I, he, he, I watch him talking about Vanessa. I, I kind of watch him pointing her out to other people. He came by in Chicago and kind of quietly pulled one of our plant-based athlete guidebooks off the chair mm. uh, when Vanessa was up on stage. And Vanessa just told me today... That, you know, because she won two out of the three competitions that she entered and she got second by a quarter point in the third one, that, um, that Roland came up and told her that he, he bought our book, Plant-Based Muscle, and that he really, really enjoyed it. And this is a guy who's an absolute star in the bodybuilding world and, and is an incredible former champion bodybuilder, model, TV and movie actor and current, like, one of the faces of the Fit Expo. And that's just another impact. Another one is Eric the Trainer. Eric the trainer, I recognized him at, because he has uh, his face bigger than this hotel room on banners at many of these fit expos. So I'd seen him. I, I'd never met him before. Actually, I'd never seen him in person. But I've seen these big photos of Eric the trainer at the fit expos. And I happened to be at the Idea World Fit Expo in Los, 
Las Vegas last year, and I saw him walking around. And I got all excited, and I said, uh, and, and I ran over, and I said, hey, excuse me, are you Eric the trainer? He said, yeah, yeah, yes, I am. You know, and we took photos together. Uh, we changed contact. We, we now, now that we are on the Fit Expo national tour, we see him every city we go to. And now he calls me up when he has questions. He, he, he texts me, emails, whatever. And uh, he's working with, you know, star athletes. And then he invited me to his gym out in Hollywood. So I went a few weeks back with, um, with Phil Collin from Def Leppard, one of his clients, and I walked into his gym, which is epic. And he said, Robert, um, we trained 300 celebrities out of this gym. And he said, I love your book. I love your information. He said, I've got a number of vegan clients now. In fact, I'm going on a European tour with Def Leppard. Half their band is vegan. And I would love to get more and more info from you. I, I sat there with Def Leppard and others, these actors I don't know because I don't follow a lot of pop culture stuff, but they were talking about their stuntmen and all this. I signed a stack of books, left them in his gym, left a stack of plant-based athlete guidebooks, and then, and then he actually went to the Los Angeles Veg Fest with Phil from Def Leppard and me. We, we walked around and you know he kind of took it all in. He was actually wearing a No Meat, No Problem shirt. He's not vegan himself, but he was, he was wearing one. <laughs> um, and I didn't even give it to him. He actually bought it the year before. Before I even met him, he bought it from my booth before I knew who he was. Wow. So funny story. But, uh, but now, he, and then I, the next time I saw him, uh, it would have been in Chicago after mm-hmm. that, I think. Yeah, I saw him in Chicago. Yeah, and he said, I'm out of books. I'm out of stuff. He passed them out to these celebrity people. And this is, again, from just the fact that we're on this tour and we meet these people. And they see our physiques. They see, And not just our physiques. I don't have the best physique. These days, and I wear a collared shirt, but the information that I can give, that you, like, you know, you mentioned it today, I spoke mm-hmm. up a little bit more than usual, mm-hmm. and I shared some of the stats and some of the facts and some of the nutritional information and some of the, the, the adverse effects of animal-based foods and the positive effects of plant-based foods and the changes you can see in your diet and how it's meaningful for the animals and the planet and the world and for the health of our fellow citizens and our loved ones and our friends and family. And I'm telling you, it does make a difference. And I want to keep this going. I question sometimes whether we can. I talked to you about that today, Giacomo. It's, you know, sometimes I wonder if I can keep it going. It's, 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 it's difficult. It's challenging. It's expensive. It's overwhelming at times. Um, but if everyone keeps stepping up as a team and the community gets behind us and uh, if people know, like, that, you know, every time... They, they, they order my book. It helps go toward this. That's why I'm, I'm the most obnoxious <laughs> promoter um, <laughs> on social media, perhaps, that I know of. I'm always selling books because, because of this. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of these things don't exist if, if, if we can't keep that vehicle moving. So if you were going to like, leave people with final thoughts about you know, taking risks to follow their dreams, what would you say? Mm-hmm. I know exactly what to say. It's what I say in almost every presentation that I give all over the world. And it's a quote from Mark Twain who said, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the things that you did do. And goes on to say, so sail away from the safe harbors, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, and discover. I don't care about that poetic stuff, Mark. But... (laughs) But I care about whether it's 20 years from now or two years from now, most of us 
will really be more disappointed by the things we didn't do, the actions we didn't take, the dreams we didn't chase, the things we didn't say, than by the things that we did do. I mean, ultimately, it's, it's regret is, the, is what he's getting at, mm-hmm. is that we have an incredible capacity to create change within ourselves, with, within our community, in the lives of others. And every single person knows somebody, often a loved one, who is suffering from very likely a diet-related condition that, uh, that has adverse effects on their health. And so often we, we get this information that we have the opportunity to share with people, and we don't do it. Or we have, an, we have an opportunity or a dream for ourselves to pursue something that we're truly passionate about, that makes us feel alive, that makes us feel that this is the best version of myself. But we don't feel like we're good enough. We're not pretty enough. We're not tall enough. We're not strong enough. We're not confident enough. Uh, we've been told, maybe told by people we look up to or that we care about, that we're just not good enough and we should just stick to what we're, you know, that what we're doing right now and, and not to dream. And, and don't think that you can ever change the world. Don't think that you could ever be on TV or in movies or to, to have people look up to you or be a leader. Um, why would you ever think that you could be a professional or uh, a, a star athlete or an author or a speaker or to have people recognize you and, and, tell, and tell you that you've inspired them. Uh, we hear that a lot. And so my advice for people is to connect the dots ahead of time. I think there's only two reasons why I've been able to find whatever, if you want to call it success, whatever I've been able to do in my life. Um, and I've done some neat things. I've toured around the world from Asia to Australia to Europe, all over North America, Caribbean, um, I've written three best-selling books. I've been able to do some neat stuff. And it's because of two reasons. One is that I've been able to connect the dots ahead of time. I just have this ability to see things years off in the distance. And then I go back and, and decide exactly what I need to do in order to be able to do that. So I want to get paid to travel to Australia, to to Asia, to Europe, and all these things as a featured guest speaker or whatever. Okay, I need to make myself a credible resource. I need to write books. I need to grow a following. I need to have some sort of um, uh, popularity or credibility. I need to, how, how else would I get invited to those things and make a living doing that or get a career doing that? Mm-hmm. I back all these things up. I want to be in magazines or I want to be a champion bodybuilder. Well, I've got to go discipline myself in the gym. I have to learn more about nutrition. I have to learn more about training. I have to have a competitive fire that maximizes the 1,440 minutes I have each day. So I've only been if you want to say successful in anything, because I've been able to connect the dots ahead of time and because I failed more than almost anyone I can think of. People see on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter the things that I've done well. People don't often see the things that I've struggled at or that I've absolutely sucked at or that I've failed at. People don't see the struggles, the times I I ran out of money and food and and got in line at Food Not Bombs to get free food in the park. They don't see the times, you know, I've slept in my car or been stranded in cities and have to call up my mom for some help. Um, They they don't see the times that I didn't even think I could um, keep my house anymore and and, and the the pressure it put on my relationship at the time and and myself uh, to keep going or the times that I should have been let go from companies um, you know, because I wasn't uh, performing how I should have been, but was lucky enough to be kept around, you know, because of my loyalty to the brand and my passion for what I was doing. Uh, I have three books out there, but I've written probably a dozen. 
I've, I've been laughed at by agents, been rejected by publishers. Every single publisher I, I sent a certain book to rejected it. Um, I had a like 49 minute phone call with an agent who told me exactly how much I sucked <laughs> at writing and that the idea was good that I was, but that I was absolutely not the person to write the book, that I was boring, that I was dry, that I had all these things. I went on to then rewrite the book, which eventually became shredded and sold, you know, uh, six figures and became a bestseller and was endorsed by celebrities and Dr. Campbell and Esselstyn and Forks Over Knives and some of the best people in the industry. Uh, but it was because I failed miserably my first effort. And I'd spent months and months and worked with people writing a 43-page proposal only to be told it was absolute garbage. And that's what people don't know. There's a reason why New Year's resolutions end on January 17th. People give up too damn easily. Mm-hmm. Like you have to keep, it's going to hurt. You have to keep going. You have to endure some sort of pain and suffering. And I I, I mean, really, like you have to have that kind of discipline if you want to succeed. You have to taste failure if you want to taste success or else everything's mediocre and everything's just fine. Everything's just good. But if you want to make a difference, you have to get smacked around a bit. You have to get knocked on your face and you have to come back sharper and stronger and smarter and, you know, and, and, and... remembering what it felt like to fail and say, you know what, I don't want to do that again, or at least not for a while. I want to, find, I want to feel what success feels like, and, and not, just be, not just to succeed for the sake of success, because I know this is going to make a difference in the life of somebody else, uh, lives of animals, the lives of people, and, um, and that's what I want to do. And so that's what I would say, that 20 years from now or two years from now or two months from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the things you did do. So right now what you have to do is follow your passion and make it happen. Whatever that is, you've got to dedicate your time to it. You know, Understand what you're doing with your time and say, this is, this is what I want most rather than what I want now. Not short term, think long term. What do I want most? And do the actions, connect the dots ahead of time. Even if it sucks right now, it hurts. It takes 15 hours a day. It takes 12 hours a day. It takes sacrifice. It takes sleeping in your car. It takes some sort of hurt. But look where you want to go. That's what I would say. I think that's really, really great advice. I might record that and play it back to myself over and over again once a week for the next several months. So thank you so much, Robert, for being here. We're we're so thrilled to be here, and we love what we're doing. And we also hope to keep doing this city after city and spreading the word. And, uh, yeah, it's all thanks to you, and we, we don't forget that for one second. Well, I, I love both of you, and I, I'm, I'm so honored to, to have you. And uh, it's so amazing that we can connect like this 10 years later after just meeting through a website forum (laughs) and be traveling the country together uh, supporting one another playing off each other's strengths lifting each other up where we have weaknesses and doing this because we all care so deeply about making a positive difference in the world and that's what i'm so honored to share this opportunity with with both of you so thank you and thank you, my friend. And for those of you who are, who are looking to uh, hear more about your story and to support your efforts, how can they find you? How can they, how can they have access to your book? Can you tell us a little more about, about that? Yeah, I mean, the newest book is Plant-Based Muscle. It's on veganbodybuilding.com. It's also on Amazon. It's doing really well there, except for one really bizarre um, 
bad review that just came out. It had perfect five-star reviews, and then someone left it a one-star review. It wasn't me, I swear. You have an angry ex that found out you got married? I, I don't know. There wasn't even proper grammar or punctuation, and they said they didn't like it, and they can't even sell it. Well, uh, we, uh, we, we'll link to all of Robert's information in the show notes, his website, his book, um, and his social media. So if you're not following him, which if you're listening to us, I can't imagine that you're not. But if you're not, don't be stupid. Go follow him. Continuing education is something that you guys know is really, really important to me. I don't think you can ever really know enough. And just when you think you know everything there is to know about fitness and nutrition, it changes. So you can't be super married to any specific theories too, too much because a study could come out tomorrow and just kind of start to change the game again. And when you're in the fitness industry, like you have to stay up on that. And one of my favorite ways to stay up to date on, on current strength and nutrition research is with MASS, which is an online publication that stands for Monthly Applications of Science and Strength. And it's wonderful. I have been signed up for that online publication since the day it came out because I am such a nerd and such a bookworm. But I figured we would share it with you guys because I don't, I think maybe we've mentioned it in passing a few times. Um, but if you like this podcast and you enjoy the nutrition and training discussions that we have, then I think you could probably benefit quite a bit from reading this publication yourself. Um, it's written by Greg Knuckles, Eric Helms, Mike Zordos. And it's basically, they take the research papers that those of us who are like science lovers, but maybe don't have actual degrees in science, they take those research papers and they break them down into like human speak so that it, you can digest it and then you can take it and actually apply it to your own training and nutrition if it makes sense for you. Um, there's videos there. So if you like to listen to the articles, you can do that too. Um, like I listen to a lot of the videos while I'm doing my cardio. Um, it's just a really, really great publication and it's just something we wanted to share with you guys. So we're going to leave you a link down in the show notes below. And definitely if this is something that interests you, if learning is something that is of interest to you and you are passionate about fitness, about lifting, about nutrition, but you get sometimes confused by all of the conflicting information out there. This is a really, really phenomenal resource to help you kind of sift your way through it and find out what works best for you and what the data says. Moving on to our Q&A segment for today's podcast, Danny actually got several questions about how to peak properly for a show. All right, so... These were direct messages on Instagram, people who were working with coaches, but for whatever reason, either didn't have a peaking program for their show or didn't trust their peaking program for their show. And they were reaching out to me on Instagram to tell them how to peak properly for a show. This is an incredibly difficult situation and it puts me in a really weird spot because I don't believe that there are bad questions. 
I don't believe there are stupid questions. Um, but this is a question that I can't answer. And all I can do is tell people that there's no possible way that myself, um, essentially a stranger on the internet that knows nothing about them could possibly do anything miraculous for them in the week before their show. Um, the people who did reach out to me, they did have coaches, um, whether they were good coaches or bad coaches. I don't know. I don't know who they were, but if you have a coach and they're coaching you into a bodybuilding show, you need to just, you know, they should be giving you a peaking protocol and you should follow it without trying to get outside advice from other coaches. Because the thing about a peaking strategy is that it works synergistically with itself. So the carb loading, the sodium loading, the water loading, the taper of the cardio, the type of lifting you do, all of it works together. So asking an outside source that doesn't know you from Adam um, you know, how much water should I drink before peak week is a really, really good way to destroy your physique with, a, with a week to go before your show. And the thing about peak week, right. Is that you want to manipulate as few factors as you can. The, the less you know about how your body responds to water, to sodium, to carbohydrates, the less you know about that. And when it's your first show, you don't know much, you know, all you know is how your body responded to deficits and maybe how it responded to refeeds, maybe how your legs look after leg day. Like these are things you can learn throughout your prep. But a lot of people think something really amazing happens during peak week and the changes that are made during peak week should just be subtle things to help you recover so that you can flex as hard as you can on stage. You don't want to be too tired to flex on stage and just slight differences to make you look, you know, 1% tighter or fuller. They're tiny changes. And if you're not ready, like if you're not lean enough a week out from your show, there is nothing that a peak week is going to do. That's going to make you suddenly look the part one week later. There's no amount of water or sodium manipulation that's going to fix that. You maybe should consider picking a later show. Um, along with this, some of the questions were about, you know, my coach didn't do what they said they were going to do. And I feel for these people, I, I genuinely do. Um, but a couple things I just want people to consider when they are reaching out for coaching. Two things, really. One, would be how much are you paying the coach? Um, because there are a lot of coaches out there who do very, very hands-off coaching. You know, 50 bucks, they'll write you a meal plan and you're on your way. You cannot expect to pay somebody $50 and get coached into a bodybuilding show. That doesn't make sense. Um, you can't expect to pay somebody a hundred dollars and get coached into a bodybuilding show. You can't expect to pay somebody a hundred dollars a month and get coached well into a bodybuilding show. Somebody who's really going to be on top of you and making sure that everything is like flowing correctly all the way into a show. Um, it's going to cost you. And it's just something you need to take into consideration when deciding you want to do a bodybuilding show. It's part of the cost, really. And if you choose to 
um, go with a, a cheaper coach, or maybe you decide you want to coach yourself, that's fine. Just know that there are going to be many, many moments where you feel like you're kind of beating your head against a wall, trying to figure out what to do next. And most coaches are not going to take you fewer than like eight weeks out because they don't know you. And, um, it takes a long time to learn somebody's body. So there's that. The other thing is you have to do your research. You absolutely have to research the people that you are considering hiring as a coach so that you understand what types of services they provide um, speak to their clients, things like that. And even research the people that you're asking questions on Instagram. Some of the questions that I do get on Instagram, I realize there, people are asking me very, very personal questions and they have no idea who I am or what I do. And I won't, I won't get into the specifics of that, but somebody will ask me a question. How about, about a detox tea or something like that? And it's like a very personal question, but also talking about a detox tea. And I'm just like, why are you messaging a stranger about this? Like a stranger that you don't know a whole lot about, obviously, because if you did, you'd know I would tell you to take that detox tea and just flush it down the toilet. But yeah, I guess the take home points here are close to a bodybuilding show. You're not going to find somebody who is going to have the answers that are going to turn around a bad prep for you. Unfortunately, that's not the way it works. It would be nice. So if you're looking for a coach, find one way, way, way far out. Even if you don't start way, way, way far out, communicate with the coach, say, Hey, I'm thinking of doing this show. How much time do you think I need? You'll figure it out. And then, you know, you can start them, but at least you have something set up and also do your due diligence, do your research on your coaches before you fork your cash over. You work too hard for it for that. All right. Our next question is a much simpler one here. When you are tracking your food, do you weigh your tofu before or after cooking it? Really? So you get the super complicated philosophical how to prep question. And then the mic gets passed over and it's like, all right, I think he can handle this one. <laughs> Water and tofu. Do we weigh it now or do we weigh it when it's just tofu without water? <laughs> First of all, all tofu has water. Okay. Let <laughs> Gee, I don't know. How do I answer this? <laughs> anyway so yeah do we weigh the tofu before but see i mean if you can't handle this one i'll take it I, do you weigh tofu before or after cooking it i mean i'm breaking a sweat now personally <laughs> i weigh out the, the tofu before i cook it because every single time you cook food you're going to cook either more water out of it or less water out of it depending on a whole bunch of factors how you prepare the food how long you cook it you're not always going to like cook something the exact same way every single time. So yeah, I'd say in, in general, not just with tofu, but with any kind of food, especially whole foods, and whole foods all contain water, you're going to cook some of that out and it's never going to be the same amount. Always weigh all foods uncooked first. So is that, is that I mean, I feel like I want to over talk this one a little bit just so I can explain the in intricacies of how to weigh out food. But, um, but yeah, you suck. <laughs> I, I, yeah, <laughs> but uh, hopefully that answer was valuable to somebody. I know it wasn't like, you know, um, so your question is more practical than my question for most people. All right, fine. I'll take it. All right. <laughs> Weighing food expert checking out. 
All right, and that's another episode of Vegan Proteins Muscles by Brussels Radio. Feel free to stay in touch with us and let us know what you think at Vegan Proteins and at Muscles by Brussels on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our YouTube channel. Stay in touch. My, once again, my name is Giacomo. And I'm Danny. And we'll talk to you soon.